Welcome to After the Week. It is Denise Salcedo and Will Washington. And we are back here once again at a special start time, of course. Uh, I want to thank Will because I almost postponed this entire show. You almost canceled the episode. I had to talk you back into it. Not today. (laughs) I'm so exhausted. But thanks to Will, he was like, no, Denise, you need to get your ass up and we need to show up for the show. So everybody, please thank Will for that. Uh, But we are here. Thank you so much for joining us at a special start time. It has been a chaotic chaotic week in wrestling. There has been absolutely so much going on, whether it's the WWE side, the AEW side. There was just so much to go into. And obviously, given that it was a big, big major paper week, uh, pay-per-view week, uh, we're going to have weeks like this. So first and foremost, Will, how's it going, man? Good. I, I have to say, uh, severe sense of FOMO this year, seeing all my friends at the Rumble. Because, like, you know, I went last year miserable royal rumble right one of the worst of all time and like if i could swap obviously rumbles that i got to attend as media i would absolutely swap this year with last year's uh because it is a night and day experience like i said everybody got to have a good time it looked like everybody was uh really in a great productive mode and really getting to make good connections and all of that i like i said i had a severe sense of fomo watching from home uh but i am glad everybody got to have a good time yeah, it was really fun. You know, uh, I recorded vlog footage at some point. I guess I'll put that together uh, just to kind of, I don't know. I try to do vlogs every now and then, right? Um, but I know it was a really nice time. It was very busy. They had a lot of media events. I think it was like one Thursday, two on Friday, uh, two, then, you know, one right before the Rumble, then the actual Rumble, and then the press conference. So it was a total of six events that. Uh, you know, you were attending in me- as media in like the span of three days. And I was actually still supposed to be in San Antonio today, but I had really, really bad Wi-Fi at my Airbnb. And so I pretty much knew like if I'm stuck there, like I'm not doing anything here today. So I made sure to like switch my flight over. And instead I left at like, oh man, I left like at four in the morning to the airport, uh, came back here and was back in Los Angeles at like 7.30. But Will, I was so scared last night. So full disclosure, man, yesterday I was like in a really shitty neighborhood in my Airbnb. It was great. Like the actual Airbnb like inside was really nice. But on the outside, it was really kind of terrifying. I was like, I was three blocks away from the Alamo Dome. So I was super close. But like the general little like, like the where I was at, it was so bad. And there was like this really creepy like dude staring at me. I'm not kidding you at like, when I left to the rumble, when I left, he was like Mm -hmm. staring at me and he was sitting right behind my my apartment, right where I'm where I'm staying at watching me and he starts calling me and i'm like what the and he's like not all there and i can tell right so when i came back at like close to 2 a.m he was still there i was like oh my god i need to leave this apartment at four in the morning and this man is still there so i was freaking terrified all last night i almost didn't sleep at all but i mean i didn't sleep at all but like i almost didn't like have a peace of mind at all so anyways but I, I made it. Nothing happened. It was great. Uh, just, you know, I think I need to stop watching too many, like, murder documentaries. Probably. Because uh, it was in my head. It was I, definitely I think, in my head. I bet you I probably know the area. And I say that because I'm thinking about where I stayed for Rumble 2017. And specifically where I had to park uh, in order to, like, even have decent parking. Um, 
when I parked at the Alamo Dome. I didn't park at the Alamo Dome. I parked like three blocks away from the Alamo Dome. And thinking about the area I parked in and how like sketch it all looked, yes. I'm imagining that's where that's, I was at. Where yeah, it's like a I'm, bunch of like vacant homes and they're all yeah. trashed down. There was an empty uh, lot next to me with like trash and like an empty mattress. And then I was hearing people like hit things at night doing like all of this weirdo stuff. And I was like, okay, I have no idea where I'm at, but whatever. Anyways, but we got wrestling to talk about everyone. This is for those of you who are new to this podcast. Basically how it works is Will and I pick our three very best of the week. And then we pick our one worst of the week. And there's kind of a lot to get into because like I said, we had the rumble, but we still had a whole entire week of wrestling prior to that. So uh, there's going to be a lot of good stuff, but we do want to kick things off with our first super chat of the day. Uh, this is from Taylor Cannon. Thank you so much to Taylor who says, Hey, Denise and Will always enjoy the show. Got to say the ending to the rumble was just awesome uh it's definitely something that i thought was memorable for sure and i'm pretty sure uh we are going to be talking about it here today uh but thank you so much to taylor that for could mean three different things chat. by the way uh do they mean the ending to the rumble itself do they mean the ending to the second rumble or do they mean the ending to the show I think because she meant the ending ending like the bloodline stuff ending i, I bet you that's obviously what she <laughs> meant but either way uh, i felt like Honestly, you can pick which one you want there. Uh, it's a good, it, this is a good week. I'm, I'm excited to talk about a lot of stuff. Somebody told you so is about to be thrown in here. But... Oh man, Will, this is your, this is your time to shine. Like you should have brought it, you should have <laughs> like a little crown, a little throne, a little red robe, come in here like oh, king. I honestly went and it's a shame I couldn't find it because every Halloween, we change out the light in our garage with a black light. And so I was going to try and find it for this show. Oh my God, but... were you going to come in in neon? <laughs> yes, but uh, I wasn't able to make it work in time. And it's freaking cold outside and I wasn't going to go out and buy one. Right. So almost did it though. I just couldn't find my, my, my black light. Oh my God. Oh okay. man, so excited. Okay. I can't wait to talk about that, but let's go ahead and get right into it, man. Uh, should we just kick it off? Let's go into it. Here we go. Also, guys, if you do want to help support the show or get your question, your comment, or your statement read on the stream, uh, you guys know the drill. Uh, we do read Super Chats at any point throughout the show. Um, all right, but let's get into it. Will Liam. I was debating to go the full name or just short, and I kind of like was like, let's just go for the whole thing. Okay, William. <laughs> What was your third? You are one of the few people, by the way, who or at least few American people who says my full name is three syllables. Uh, William. Well, I know, but yeah. I was emphasizing it for you today. Yes, thank you. All right, <laughs> let's do this. Number three might be unexpected, but not as unexpected as you may think. So let's talk about one Emmy Sakura. Amy Sakura is somebody who has been around the business a very, very long time. Has been in AEW since the beginning. She literally was on Double or Nothing, the first one. Um, and there's a lot of women who have passed through Amy Sakura's training. Um, she has had a huge footprint on the business. However, it's very much seemed like AEW has kind of treated her as somebody who's washed, right? She hasn't actually appeared on AEW TV since December of 2019, I believe. She had a match with Big Swole. It's the last time we've seen her on TV. She's been on Dark and Elevation pretty much since the pandemic, uh, since they went back on the road. And 
We haven't really seen her on TV much at all. But man, did she prove something this week on AEW Rampage in the main event. Jamie Hayter versus Emi Sakura, women's title eliminator match. This was freaking awesome. Jamie Hayter really getting to show what she's made of as a babyface. And I really feel like this was her first kind of outing as a babyface, right? You know, she's been very popular, obviously. She's been cheered left and right. She's been cheered against Tony Storm. She's been cheered against uh, Hikaru Shida, although Shida was cheered a lot in that match. But for the most part, she's been working the heel side of the match. But this was really what it, one of the first times I felt like Jamie Hayter's gotten to work as a straight-up babyface, really get to play into the crowd's adulation. And, guys, Jamie Hayter has fucking got it. Uh, and on top of that, Emi Sakura has still got it. This is not somebody to, to showcase as washed at this stage of her career. I get why they do. I get why um, at 46, uh, obviously, in pro wrestling, that's already seen as up there. And there's just a societal thing where women get tossed away when they're uh, at a certain age. But my God, Emi Sakura is not that person. Um, she is so damn good. This match was so hard-hitting. Uh, and... So it, it was worked so smartly in a way to keep the crowd into Jamie Hayter, um, but also Emi Sakura. She had a whole new presentation, by the way. Emi Sakura, um, she's over the last like year and a half, she's enhanced her presentation. She's done the Queen thing and all of that. The music was still the Freddie Mercury music that she had um, back in her original AEW run and that she's had forever. But she got new music. She had kind of a new presentation here. She went in there with Jamie Hayter and. They chopped and slapped the ever-loving shit out of each other, and they gave each other, I think, a match that made it feel like Emi Sakura deserves to be on TV. But on top of that, Emi Sakura gave Jamie Hayter a match that showed that she deserves to be in the spot she's in. Gosh, if she can continue, and I'm talking Jamie Hayter here, to have the type of matches she's having as AEW Women's World Champion, she is on a very, very fast track to being the greatest AEW Women's World Champion there's been. And uh, look, as a Hikaru Shida fan, that's really tough <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah, I was going to say. I know, but she is on the right track right now. Keep doing stuff like this. This was an awesome main event of Rampage. And uh, I, I can't say any more kind things about it. The finishing sequence alone with uh, Jamie hitting the the Lariat and Emmy hitting the the... Uh, German suplex immediately after, and then the double lariats from uh, Jamie Hayter. Excellent sequence. I loved it. This deserves to be on my list. They deserve the praise. See, I didn't get to watch Rampage or SmackDown this week because I was at those media events that they were having. Um, but I, the fact that you put this at your number three on a week like this where there's so much stuff that happened, it's pretty surprising and it makes me wonder, like, maybe I should go back and actually watch and watch this match because I'm like, given everything that happened, I wasn't expecting, well, granted, I didn't get to catch Rampage, but I wasn't expecting this match to necessarily be on your list. But I do want to go ahead and, uh, first of all, I have a follow-up question, but before I get to that, I do agree with you in terms of that spot for the very best, like, 
a person to have the best AEW Women's Championship run, that spot is up for grabs, man. Because there, I feel like, uh, I feel like right now it's not too crystal clear in terms of I feel like people would have arguments about who they think has had the best run, who they think hasn't had the best run. I don't necessarily feel there's been someone just yet that is super far ahead of it um, by a long run in terms of someone that I would consider the very, very best AEW Women's Championship because I still think that spot is up for grabs. And I feel like with the way that they've gotten things started with Jamie Hayter, uh, they're definitely on a trajectory to do that. But my follow-up question to you is, how was Rampage? Because I didn't get to watch it. Uh, it was one of the better episodes. I mean, the the show opened with um, Wheeler Yuta versus Hangman Adam Page. Those two went at it very well. Uh, I thought they had a great match. And uh, I thought Best Friends versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett was like stupid fun. And uh, and then the theme of all like the Jeff Jarrett matches, stupid fun. (laughs) Like it was stupid fun. And uh, and then the main event was uh, Jamie Hayter versus uh, Amy Sakura. And like just thinking it was really simple. Um, Swerve cut a scathing promo on uh, Dustin Rhodes, and it looks like they're moving forward with that probably next week. Oh, nice. And what I thought was interesting about that, it, it was actually very interestingly timed. Because the way Swerve talked about, you know, they talked about Dustin being back from, um, obviously, his mother just passed. And so he's back and he was ready to to get his mind back in the game. And then Swerve comes in and takes a bunch of shots at his family. And he's like, and he talks about his brother. And it was very fitting that one night later, that said brother then goes and wins the Royal Rumble. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, interestingly timed stuff here. Because... Yeah. Swerve did tweet last night. He was like, yeah, fuck Cody Rhodes. But, like, in a way that was supposed to be addressing the promo from the night before. Right, right. So, it, all oddly from two different companies, like, ties itself together. And I thought that was kind of cool. That's funny. Okay, we got a couple of Super Chats to get into. This one is from Jakeinator722. Says, great job last night, Denise. Thank you so much. She says, what do you both think of the dome vibe of the Rumble? Do you think they will continue to do stadiums going forward? I love the vibe being in there. The crowd at the start of the show I thought was very, very hot. And they were, like, excited to be there. It looked really nice. Um, They did have a, a section of the Alamo Dome closed off. So it was, like, the stage area and everything like where the ring and the stage and everything was that was completely full like top to bottom it was full but there was a small section that was just blacked out they just had like a big giant black curtain um and uh a little tiny merch stand there uh but for the most part like it didn't really feel like that was it how do i explain it it didn't feel like it 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 didn't hurt the show whatsoever it still felt uh very very lively and whatnot so i thought it looked really great like i captured like at the beginning when everybody had like their phone lights on i took a picture and i posted it on twitter oh man that was such a nice view and in terms of like i was sitting at the press box and the press box was located right behind the uh the hollywood the wrestlemania hollywood sign and so i was bummed though because i wanted to see the sign but we were sitting behind it so i couldn't see it very much um i couldn't see it at all really but either way i thought it was really cool and i liked like the the slant the slant entrance looked really cool too especially 
from like where I was sitting because I could see like the lights going through it. But it was one of those things when the wrestlers would come out, unless you were Omas, like you weren't going to be seeing anybody when they were actually walking through. So it was one of those things where if you were live, you didn't know if that person was still at the very beginning of their entrance, if they were in the middle, if they were halfway through. It wasn't until they were like in the ring that you actually uh, finally got to see them. But uh, it was a cool vibe. Yeah, I mean, I will say if they are going to continue to do stadium shows going forward, um, you could probably count some of the legends out of the Rumble going forward, which I hope is a good thing. Because uh, I'm thinking that many to this well, time. Yeah, and I was thinking about Rumble 2017, which I was at, which was in the same building, and how Mark Henry came out for the Rumble, and because they had that extra long entrance ramp they drove a lot of those guys down in like a little golf cart. Like they would start, stand at the top of the stage, pose, and then they would cut back to the ring and then they'd like hop on the back of the cart and drive them down halfway and then have them like finish the rest of the entrance because there's no way that they're going to make it in time for the next entry. And How was it on uh, TV? Like, did it seem too long? Um, I mean, it created some moments, right? Like I talked about uh, yesterday on the Fightful Post show, um, uh, Nikki Cross, right? She had that what awesome. To Nikki? She just had this awesome Ultimate Warrior style sprint down this long okay. ass. Like she is just running. And it's slanted. It's, it's... Keep in mind it's slanted. Yeah, it's like gifable. It's like Forrest Gump gifable. She is just like running and running and running from the time her entrance begins till she gets to the ring. Uh, it, I, I mean, it made for some moments. I missed all those <laughs> moments, all of them. Damn. They, like, like I said, Mysterio a lot of them came out. Okay, so when Rey Mysterio's music hit, right? Keep in mind, I can't listen to commentary or anything. When his music hit, the whole time I was like, I don't see Ray. Where's Ray? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, he must really. So, like, I'm, I figured, like, okay, when the whole ramp thing was like, okay, I'll see Ray once he gets into the ring, right? And then the whole time I was like, where the fuck's Rey Mysterio at? And it wasn't until Dominic came out that they did the whole thing where you, as the live audience, you had to piece two and two together that something happened because you you weren't listening to commentary. You didn't know what was happening. So I thought like, oh, Rey Mysterio probably got caught up or something. I had no idea what was going on. That, that whole thing was really a shame thinking about how much of the... And it was worse for the live audience. Right. Well, I mean, I, I got to thinking about how meticulously planned the Rumble truly is and how advancedly planned the Rumble is because of the fact that that's not what was supposed to happen at all. Rey Mysterio was supposed to be in that match. And uh, Rey was hurt in the match with Karrion Cross on Friday SmackDown. And so there wasn't a whole lot of time in that 24 hours to find somebody new, figure out a whole new way because Dominic's whole presence in that match was kind of centered around Rey Mysterio's presence in that match. And it's like, well, how the hell do we rewrite this in a way where Rey's not in it, but Dominic doesn't have the Rey heat anymore? And that was like the best thing they came up with. Um, and that that's a shame that it had to, to get there. I hope Rey's okay. I hope this is just kind of a short-term thing and it was just a matter of, look, he worked a match 24 hours ago and got hurt. Yeah, but that one definitely didn't work for the live crowd at all because there was no explanation. We had no idea what was happening. Uh, so we got another super chat. This one is from I'm Torch who says, Montez not having a great run in the Rumble was the worst moment of this week. Like he could have been the last four. Uh, seeing him get thrown out fast is sad. Yeah, that was definitely um, unexpected. Seconds. In terms of guys that you would expect to see thrown out fast, like there's some that are obvious where you can see them doing that. Montez is not one of those guys. 
Yeah, there were a lot of guys who got kind of short runs or got kind of nothing runs. There were uh, there's a number of guys that I was looking back at that I'm like, man, Johnny Gargano, like he was in there half an oh, hour, didn't he? He looked bad. I heard commentary was making him sound like a geek too, because apparently there were. I think they said something along the lines of, oh, he's only fighting Dominic. Something about the size, the size wise is what I heard. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they nothing made uh, Johnny look good. I think, one, people aren't adjusted to the new music because he's been off TV for a few weeks. And so no reaction from the crowd. And then on top of that, uh, the man was in the match for half an hour, didn't eliminate a single person. And I think that that's just not a great look. Like, I guess, silver lining, he managed to survive Brock's onslaught where Brock came in, slaughtered a whole bunch of people, and somehow Brock being eliminated in three minutes... You look up and it's like, well, at least Johnny Gargano didn't get thrown out like a sack of shit. So that's okay. But uh, I don't know. What's your number three? Uh, oh, wait. Well, we okay, still got to keep going. We got on, super chats. On, we, got super chats. we got some super chats. All right. Thank you so much to I'm Torch for sending this in here. Uh, we got another one from Bear Hudson. Thank you so much to Bear who says, Denise, I appreciate everything you do for us. What is the biggest difference between a Triple H presser and a Tony Khan presser? Thank you both. There's a lot of differences, actually. Um, I'll start off with, uh, I think, content-wise is, like, the biggest thing. Um, because I didn't – this was my first uh, – sorry – my first official press conference, because the last one that we did with Cody Rhodes, it was a lot smaller scale and it wasn't like the big production type of thing. They weren't even live streaming it. So it was totally different. But the thing that I was curious about was where they were going to, you know, be, uh, you know, were they going to be kayfabing us? Like, what was the situation going to be like in terms of what kind of questions were you know, I, I, you got to read the room in these situations a whole lot. And, you know, now that I, I've gone to so many of this AW ones, I already know what to expect. I know what kind of questions uh, Tony's okay with answering and all of that. And with Triple H, obviously, you know that he's going to go out there and first and foremost, he's going to do the plugs and things like that with sponsors and stuff. But I will say this, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised because um, I felt that the questions that he was asked he uh, were good. And then I also kind of felt like he gave some really great answers where it was pretty, you know, entertaining. And I thought he found a good way to answer the questions that he was given. Like the last question that was asked to him by Keith, I thought that was really great. The one about, you know, the company being scrutinized and basically his reaction. Or his I hated that, that question. Uh, oh, I hated I that, that question. question. I loved that question. I thought it was a good way to kind of like wrap things up. But then I, on top of that, oh, sorry, go for it. No, I mean, I, I, I guess, as somebody who's had scrutinized questions in media scrums, uh, I I felt like that one, um, I don't know. I, I thought that there were so many more that direct questions. Question, that was the only question, Will, that got like a gasp from the people in the press room. Everybody went, <gasps> there was a <gasps> moment. I suppose. I, I It'll be interesting because I, I, I will... Either way, I'm not going to say that next thing, but uh, okay. there's... A... <laughs> or say it. Hey, man, when you say something, and we might get more super chats. I, I know. I know how it goes. Um, <laughs> but because, I, you know, it did feel just from a viewer standpoint. I literally just watched it. I actually just posted a clip with a joke about his uh, remark about The Rock because I thought that was very funny. And, the story, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, but anyway... It, it is interesting how the questions are kind of selected, that there was very, um, and, and I'm not saying this from a, a conspirator standpoint, I am saying that there was a lot of, uh, as far as Hunter was concerned, some of the questions that were selected were from um, very 
WWE adjacent media. Um, and I think that kind of helped soften what he was going to be able to talk about. Cause it wasn't right, like right, one right, of those Tony right. Khan situations, right? Where I think that the core difference, um, as far as what is the difference between a triple H presser and a Tony Khan presser is that Tony Khan is going to sit there till four o'clock in the yeah. morning and answer literally what anybody uh, he'll make sure everybody got their question in. Tony, and... what'd you have for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> he'll give you an answer for 40 minutes. Oh, and the, yes, he'll give you an answer for 40 minutes and somehow tie it back into the run at Daly's place. Uh, whereas um, Hunter will... <laughs> Like I said, there's a bunch of differences, honestly. Yeah, there's a lot of differences. Whereas Hunter was very succinct. It was very like, hey, okay, this person, this person, this person, this person, we're out. Um, and uh, so in that sense, you're you're not going to get to kind of have a whole lot of back and forth. You're not going to have uh, to have a lot of that the way that you do at the less well, overproduced. They run it more like a program it's a program yes. you know that everything's timed everything is you know you get one question you know that was the thing where like cody didn't want to finish wrapping up neither did triple h like for a second you can tell he wanted to kind of be there for a little bit more i think once like once people get comfortable they want to be there and if there's somebody like cody who's already used to doing this stuff uh you know it's one of those things where once you get comfortable you want to talk a little bit more but you but the way that they do it it's a program it's a live stream i think we were in there for i don't know how long it was like an hour or something god i don't remember a time that we were ever in there for just an hour for aw uh press conferences do you remember ever. that time that i had a flight and i had to leave the press conference in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of it because i'm like i i can't i gotta go uh yeah no, i thought this AEW was gonna go a lot shorter the only one where i literally have to change my battery pack <laughs> where i'm like right between and it always happens during tony's and i'm like wait hold on change the battery pack but you know that's one of the differences is yeah. definitely that um and then you know just production wise there's a huge difference for sure this felt more like a show versus the aw thing it's more like okay now let's all hang out and talk about what happened today so yeah, yeah, it's two to totally different vibes, but I love it. I love this stuff. It's a lot of fun. And I experienced the exact same thing for both, by the way. For AEW and WWE, this always happens to me, except Tony Khan interviews. Tony Khan's interviews are excluded from this. The amount of times, Will, and I've complained about this, that I raise up my hand to ask a goddamn question and I never get selected drives me up the wall up the wall i we what, have got I to get you like sitting on some books or something dude i was like am i invisible <laughs> i kept trying to ask triple h a question i was trying to ask Rhea a question i was trying to ask bray a question and this happens to me in AEW too by the way i'm like hi you've seen it will you've seen it it gets very frustrating i mean i i strategically plan where i sit in uh media well, scrums for, this... for different reasons though more right. for video purposes yeah, yeah for more for video purposes i'm like okay i gotta get a question in and i know where i'm gonna be seen so let me choose my seat no it here. doesn't matter where i sit i've been in different spots and still struggle to get selected sit next to me in the next one let's see how this goes no uh, trust me trust me it's a thing there's times where i feel like giving up or i'm like i'm just gonna chill here there's I, times well, where i have i'm like i'm just gonna chill i ain't gonna get selected i i i i, I, I more so just want to test your theories more than anything else but uh i don't know let's yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story that happened to me from the presser uh yesterday about regarding questions and stuff so <laughs> in the same row okay i'll just tell the story here it was really funny okay in the same row one of the people that was doing the the thing right came and she it was four people in that row okay four 
And she asked one of the other persons that were there, she was like, oh, do you have a question? And the, the person was like, no, I don't have, like, I don't have a question. Like, don't choose me. I looked and I was like, I, like, I have a question, like right here. It was this. <laughs> and I was like, what? We're in the same row. You, that girl got asked three times if she had a question and she kept saying no. And I was there like, I'm right here. Hi, I have a question. <laughs> I, do, I do have to say for those who haven't seen it, by the way. You've seen it. Yeah. But I was going to say, side note on the pressers. For those who haven't seen it, it is an incredibly endearing moment when Denise gets to ask her Cody Rhodes question. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> it's Dude, so great. That's and, it, like the thing. It's so great. No, honestly, like I, I'm telling you, having just watched it, that because you came on the Fightful stream last night and you were like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, no, this was an endearing like, moment. It was funny. Yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was a, it was fun. It was nice. <laughs> it was <laughs> so, funny too because it was one of those things like uh, I asked my husband like what he thought of it. And he was like, honestly, he's, I thought it was endearing because it was Denise being in her element, right? Like I was like, had my headphones on type of deal. I finally get the mic to me after I had been struggling to get a question. <laughs> And I'm like thinking like fucking finally I got a fucking microphone. I could ask a question. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that was really funny. The Cody thing. And it blew up, man. Like I didn't realize how many people were watching this press conference. And uh, well, they promoted it up. on Peacock. They actually did. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So like the final shot you see of Roman staring back at Sammy and Kevin in the ring comes up on in the bottom right corner saying now tune to youtube.com oh, slash WWE for the post-show press conference. So like they had promoted it to the wide audience. That's wow. a lot of eyes that were headed toward that. Um, that's not something that really any other shows do. Like AEW doesn't tell people go watch these media scrums. It's one of those like, hey, if you're into this kind of thing, you know where to find it. But like WWE promoted this. Right, right. So yeah, totally different take for sure. But yeah, it was one of those things where I didn't realize people were even really <laughs> watching. I don't know what I thought. Um, mm -hmm. All right, so we got a super chat here from Don and Kate, Smiley Girl. Thank you so much to Don who says, Denise, loved all the coverage you shared with us this weekend. Will, great job on the post show last night. Thank you both for all of that you do to bring us the great coverage. Thank you for sending this nice super chat. Just saying thank you. I love that. Thank you so much, Don. Uh, Michael Damnit says, uh, Denise, how did it feel to basically being told shush, please? Uh, thank you. <laughs> it was funny. Honestly, it was one of those things. The second, and I'm glad the camera caught that, like, right away. I was like, oh, shit, got to take off my headphones type of deal. Um, but, yeah. Ryan Lambert sends in a super chat saying, what's the next Dole-sponsored soda match Bray has? Crystal Pepsi, Fago, Crush, etc. Awesome coverage, Denise, for, for the Royal Rumble. We'll keep up the awesome work. If you were to see a drink-sponsored match, Will... What drink would you want it to be? Oh, I don't know. It's a dumb Fresca. question. Fresca? I don't know. <laughs> I'm... I'd go with sangria. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't drink Fresca. That was just the first thing that popped into my head. Simpsons um, also, I want to shout out Jeff White, who just became a member here of the YouTube channel. Jeff, thank you so much for becoming a member. Seriously. Uh, Ed Hamilton, thank you so much for the super chat here. Uh, Young Boy sends in one saying, uh, Cody Rhodes is pretty over on Black Twitter. Shout out to Black Twitter. Um, here's the thing about Cody Rhodes being over on Black Twitter. Yeah, explain I'm what's okay. going on there, Will. I'm okay with this, but I will say that it's a joke that I think has lost 
it's um it's original rooting because it's all rooted in the that promo cody cut back on anthony agogo back in oh, 2021 and that yeah. promo where the the cody ended racism promo right but it was a sarcastic thing it was like this promo is so bad that he thinks this like solved racism um but somewhere along the way the original like sarcasm of that has gotten lost and now it's just like yeah cody rhodes he's part of the black community he solved racism i'm like guys you know cody rhodes had like a secret trump account he used to use on twitter that um do you don't remember this at all yeah no. so uh, so back when he was uh stardust cody rhodes had a second twitter account that he would use for personal stuff but he didn't have his name on it but people knew it was cody it was full of like zelda references and you know cody rhodes is like a big zelda guy right but like he would talk about his maga hat he would talk about all of this stuff like this was cody rhodes and Eventually, when he left WWE, he got control of the Stardust account back and decided to turn that one into his main Cody Rhodes account. And he left this one dormant. And then in, I think it was 2020, somebody on Twitter, Cody had said something about, um, he was like, oh, I'm not a political person on Twitter. And then somebody is like, oh, what about this account? And like all of these tweets that you had from back in 2015 and 2016 about Trump. And... Then, like, Cody had the account deleted. It's gone. It's scrubbed from the internet. But he did. He once had, like, a secret Trump account that he used to use for, like, posting that kind of stuff without it affecting his Stardust character. And uh, so that's one of those things where I'm okay with, like, the Cody being over on Black Twitter stuff. But, like, remember that it's supposed to be kind of tongue-in-cheek and not, like, a an actual... It, it's fine. Like, I love Cody Rhodes. I think Cody Rhodes, he's done a lot for friends of mine. I think Cody Rhodes is a genuinely good person. I think that just don't lose sight of the fact that the whole idea of the Cody Luther King thing was supposed to be tongue in cheek. That's all. And oh, where's you need the proof? Send me some of these tweets because I'm not up to date here. Uh, Joe Compton sends in a super chat saying, "Do you think it's possible for Chelsea Green to be taken seriously after being made to look like a joke last night? I was hoping for better from her." So, um, in regards to this, um. I'm how do I explain this? I think there's I think there was a reason they specifically did this. And I think it's going to maybe lead to what her character might be like in WWE. So that's why I'm not too like uh you know like oh that was pretty messed up, you know having her come in and run in like that. I think this was done for a specific purpose. Oh yeah, the so the um uh I mean, there's been a rumor for a while that her character is supposed to become kind of like a Karen type of character. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah. Right. and I, I gathered that from the way her her entrance, the, the way she made her entrance, the way she got eliminated and immediately got in the face of the referee. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it's part of the story that she's trying to tell with the character, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. But oh, with that being said, though, I do want to mention I'm so happy to see Chelsea uh, back in WWE. Good for her, man. Good for her. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Hamilton sends in a super chat saying, love the rumble with the use of NXT stars. Did they miss the the boot not using Braun Breaker in this men's rumble and use the synergy they missed the boot? Boot? Oh, both. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Great. I need glasses. <laughs> I seriously thought that was an O. I'm all, okay, they missed the boo. Okay, great. Maybe it's a Texas thing. <laughs> all right. Um, Ed, 
Did they miss the boat on not having Braun Breaker in the men's rumble? I think they mostly want to keep NXT as separate from these rumbles as possible. I think with the women's rumble, their hands are kind of tied with that because the women's roster just isn't um, deep enough to really have a 30-woman rumble yet that that is comprised of women on the roster. Um, and so, yeah, hands are a little bit tied. You got to bring in some NXT people. But I think, ideally, they would love to just keep NXT as it exists out of the Rumbles. Also, shout out to Bear Hudson, who just became a member of the YouTube channel. Thank you so much to Bear. It's much appreciated. For those of you who don't know, you could become a member and get additional uh, bonus content. Sheldon Jackson sends in a super chat saying, is there anything different that you would have done for the Rumble last night? For me, I would have cut the Hardy performance because that made me so mad and was unnecessary. Also, pitch back pitch black or Bianca or Alexa. Obviously we'll talk more about this later on, but uh, really what it is here is that um, I will say this and I, the pitch black Bianca Alexa match and the pitch black match killed the crowd. I would say being there, it was a huge, um, the difference between how the crowd started and then after these two matches and then heading into the start of the women's match, it was definitely impacted by this. In terms of performances, I don't mind them doing performances, but um, you know, we're, I was talking about it with some of the other guys in the press box, and I feel like that is something that I would probably do at the start of the show, maybe in the pre-show or something along those lines versus doing it uh, you know, right before a big match or something like that. I would probably just put a performance someplace else, you know? Especially if it's not like somebody that, you know, is world famous. I, I don't know much about this Hardy guy anyways um so there you go all right i'm catching up with the super chat amir f says tony at the next scrum you're not that loud denise <laughs> that would be funny oh god i really don't want this to continue oh maybe it could be a running joke i don't know that could be like the gimmick or something i'm just gonna shush denise the second her question <laughs> comes up at the next one i should start like a press chat where everybody just goes shh, shh. i don't know okay um thank you so much to amir f all right let's continue on from here guys um Finally, my third best of the week. And I think this one's going to go hand in hand. Uh, and it's that simple. It's Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble. Um, I, this specific moment with Rhea winning, I thought was definitely something special. Uh, you know, I remember that Rumble um, where Bianca, when Bianca won, when it was the final two women between Rhea and Bianca. And I remember like being, oh my God, that was so exciting to watch. It's one of my favorite moments. And to finally see Rhea get her specific moment. And I loved the fact that it was you know, the number one and the number two entrant, making it all the way to the end and them having, you know, this moment and the part where like Rhea's like hanging from the ropes and her feet are dangling. And I'm just thinking, my God, uh, you plug in any other person in that, like any, you know, random non-athletic person, you'd be done. Like that's kind of hard to do. Like make sure, you know, you're keeping your balance and all of that. And then for the actual finish and how she took out a Liv Morgan, Oh man, I thought this was so much fun and seeing Rhea Ripley have her moment. It was one of those things where uh, you're starting to see uh, starting to see her become a whole new kind of star because you know she's been Raw Women's Champion before and all of that, but it was almost like uh, it, it didn't really feel like it was her time just yet. And so, and maybe at the time it was you know it was what it was, but it didn't really feel as grand as maybe she feels now i just feel like it just if she feels like a lot of a bigger star so when she does eventually get the championship again it's going to feel different from the first time that she held the championship that's for sure and i was so happy for her again in the press scrum she was just she looked great she was having a good time um this had to be in my top three for sure 
yeah. So you mentioned uh, the Rumble from two years ago with her and Bianca. Something I'm probably never going to watch again just because the Thunderdome is just something. Just something I'm never going to watch again. I can't watch the Thunderdome stuff. But I felt at the time, like, I know there was a desire to push Rhea Ripley. And I got it because of the fact that Rhea Ripley has all the tools. But I felt like through that run in 2021, something was missing. And I couldn't put my finger on where, what it was. But there just didn't seem to be enough when it came to Rhea Ripley to really like sink your teeth into it. Didn't really feel like there was enough to get invested in. And sure enough, WWE divested very quickly, right? It was like, yeah, they gave her the the raw women's title, but they, you know, put it back on Charlotte very, very quickly. And then moved on from Rhea as champion. I feel like right now at this moment, there is no better time to push Rhea Ripley than right now. I think that as somebody who's always had all the tools, as somebody who's always seemed like she, like you get why they would want to push her, but she was just missing that thing. That thing has been the judgment day. The judgment day has catapulted her into giving you a reason to care about her, to be into her. Now people want to see her, you know, when she stands up to men on the roster, especially it always gets a pop when you see her do impressive things like what she did with Liv Morgan in that elimination and hanging on and hanging in there with Oscar. I think she now has that missing piece and there's never been a better time to push Rhea Ripley than now. I almost wish she wasn't a former Raw Women's Champion because, like... It would have been more it, special, it, like, oh, she yeah, hasn't would, held the championship yet, yeah. Yeah, it would feel more special now because I think Rhea Ripley in 2021 wasn't there yet. Rhea Ripley today is there. And, uh, yeah, I love this ending a lot. I, you know, I have a slight issue that with one of the things that WWE has either done very well or does very poorly and i think that in this instance i didn't necessarily like how it was done which is um and they did this with ray mysterio and it sucked uh and what i'm talking about is when you have a number one entry in the rumble and you want them to hang on till the end or a number two in ray mysterio's case uh one of the issues i have with that is that you got you have to be smart about how you incorporate them into the core of the match And one of the things that I thought that this match did that I didn't like was that for a long while you could spot both Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan just like hiding off in the corner, just like hanging out on the ground. And I hate that. I was wondering how that was coming across on TV because, yeah, you can see it here and there. You know, obviously when you're there, you can see what every single person is doing. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, you could absolutely tell on TV. And, like, I do, I had that question about Gunther at one point. I was like, wait, Gunther's still in there? Where? Like, I know that obviously working 60 minutes is not uh, necessarily a thing that, like, you have to, to pace these guys. But I think, obviously, he's one of the biggest workhorses in all of professional wrestling. But when I think about, like, the greatest Royal Rumble and how um, Daniel Bryan at the time had what, you know, he had this Iron Man performance, right? Where he just went, I mean, that man's chest was beat red by the time that match was over, but he was smartly incorporated into various spots in that match. It wasn't just like a, hey, he's in there early and then uh, we'll revisit him in half an hour and then we'll revisit him again in half an hour. It was like, no, let's make sure that we incorporate him 
as often into the match as possible so that even if it's a little thing, you're still reminded that he's there. Yeah, of uh, course. And I don't think they did that very well with Liv and Rhea in this match. And that was my only thing. The ending, though, that ending stretch, all-timer. I think that's the best ending stretch of the Women's Rumble yet. Yeah, it was definitely a fun one for sure. And I thought there were so many, uh, you know, little good moments that they had in this match. I did I did not like Nia Jax at number 30, though. Uh, and, you know, we talked about this. Uh, I don't know if it's on your worst list or whatever, but if it's not, we might as well talk about it now, or at least I'll share my thoughts on that. Uh, it, they, did, You know, we talked about this yesterday, but they didn't do the countdown. It was a little bit of a botch. Um, I, I kind of felt like when the number 30 spot hit and it was Nia Jax, I, I hate to say it, but I felt felt underwhelmed I did I felt underwhelmed and it was one of those things I was like oh okay ah you know just there a day at the park but it, it, I did I felt underwhelmed but I'm I'm glad that it was a very simple uh you know let's all go in on the attack that looked pretty cool and then get her out that was fine uh so it wasn't like horrible but just for it to be the number 30th spot it just didn't feel special I think a lot of things went wrong with that. Uh, and I think that also harmed it. For one, the music botch where they played the music and then started the countdown. And then I think realized three seconds into the countdown, oh, we fucked up and then stopped the countdown. But then as she's at the top of the ramp, the buzzer still goes off. And so, like, I think everything just went wrong with that. Uh, and on top of that, then... I think they kind of overestimated what Rhea was going to be able to do. And she like, Oh yeah, that was, twice. that was something, man. I would like, it looked impressive, but at the same time it was like, Oh man, like she couldn't get, she needed to get way lighter for Rhea during that moment. Holy damn. Like I, you know, I obviously seen it in person, but I had to rewatch the clip, uh, you know, online just to see what it looked like on TV. And it, I was kind of a little bit like, you know, worried there for Rhea for a second. Yeah. It, uh, I think, Honestly, the moment worked in the sense of getting that reaction from the crowd of like, oh, Naya. Like, I, that's, that's how you're supposed to feel about this character, looking at the way that she was emoting, all of that. Uh, but I think in terms of the execution, I don't know that anything about it really worked. No, I think we could have done without it. It wasn't like a moment where you felt like it was necessary for the women's rumble. Yeah. We got a super chat here from Brian Doyle, Brian Doyle, who says, uh, by the way, thank you so much, Brian. He says, I think Sammy should have won the Rumble. Had the men's Rumble gone on last with the bloodline angle going on first, you'd have a better story to tell by having Sammy hobble out at number 30 to win the match and do Cody at SummerSlam. See, like the thing with me here is uh, my whole thing was if you're going to have Sammy in the Rumble, he has to win. If he's not going to win, don't have Sammy in the Rumble. And they didn't have Sammy in the Rumble because he wasn't going to win. So personally, I was happy with that choice. And I get it. I know, you know, there's a big argument about how uh you know cody winning felt predictable but you know what i i kind of felt like well we who else who else was going to get that spot if it wasn't cody and it wasn't Sami Zayn? i mean yeah they could have done like something surprise maybe had gunther but it, i don't know if it would have been uh it would have been a different type of reaction but having cody win was definitely you know the call to go for sure i also think that after the beatdown sammy received from the bloodline to win the Rumble in the same night would be absurd. Yes, no that way. too. That Do too. Not, totally no. different visuals, yes. <laughs> like, I, my prediction all along, if you saw any of the prediction shows I did, was that that was going to happen to Sammy, that he was going to be beaten down. I thought that that was going to be what prevented him from um, entering the Rumble. I figured if that match happened earlier in the show, you do that angle, Sammy's out of the Rumble, and he, uh, that's it. 
the it's not even a factor. And so to do it before though, and the explanation was Roman Reigns' specific instructions were that the bloodline remains with Roman throughout the night. You are not to do anything with the Rumble like that. That was fine by me. I think that yeah, there's a slight dilemma here. As far as Cody, as far as Cody Rhodes is concerned, I get it. I get why people want to see the Sami Zayn angle conclude with him beating Roman. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's even on their minds. I think they are. I think they got themselves in a hard spot because it's like, yeah, we want to see Sammy Roman, but at the I think we are going to see Sammy Roman, but I think, but but I I think Roman's going to beat him. Right, that's that's what I'm saying. Like. I would, I would, I, I love Sami Zayn, but I don't know if I would necessarily just at this moment be like completely, I don't know. See, I go back on this. Like, I, I don't know if I'm, because I do love Sami Zayn, but how would that moment feel? Let's just say they did have Sami Zayn defeat Roman Reigns. How would a, that moment feel? I think it would be kind of a great thing in the moment. Um, but I think long term, and this is coming from somebody who's been watching Sami Zayn his whole career. I love Sami Zayn. I've loved him back. Uh, look, uh, Kevin Steen and uh, and El Generico as Kelstenerico, uh, awesome combination, and one of my favorite name combinations as well. Um, but the thing about Sami Zayn is, uh, I don't know, other than in the momentary getting the reaction that he's the guy to beat Roman Reigns. I don't know that he is, especially right. now that we're three years into it. I think that there should be a story conclusion here that ends in a happy ending. And I I still think it is the tag titles. I know people are like, oh, that's a demotion. But like, guys, think about Kevin Steen, or sorry, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and really what the the story is here. And that the story of all of this is that what Sammy's been after this entire time has been acceptance. And uh, he has been looking for it in the bloodline. But, like, the guy who's had his back the entire time is is Kevin Owens. And I think there is going to be a moment and when they finally do decide to embrace each other and realize that everything that Sammy's been looking for, he's had right here. I think that moment is just as important. Um, but on the Cody side of things... The issue with Cody and why you put him in a position where he had to win. Cody's whole character from the moment he came out at the night after WrestleMania last year is, I want to be WWE champion. That is what I came to this company for. That is what I signed here for. If you weren't going to have him win the Rumble, bringing him back in the Rumble would have been a mistake. To come in and lose would have been the worst idea possible simply because you've already set up Cody Rhodes to have failed on the only goal he has, which is the WWE Championship. That would be a bad start. Uh, that and would I be a- say this, though. I think now, uh, you know, I feel stronger, a little bit stronger about wishing that Cody Rhodes' return to the Rumble would have been a surprise. I think it would have hit a lot harder had we not known, you know, 100%, oh, he's going to be in the Rumble. I just felt like the second you found out, okay, he's going to be in the Rumble for sure, for sure. Okay, that's already a given that he's going to win, right? The other thing was um, when they announced that the Men's Royal Rumble was going to be opening up the show, you're like, okay, that's another sign Cody's going to win. It was just too many uh, too many signs. I, 
I don't even want to say signs, but it was just too much of a giveaway that, hey, this is what's going to happen. So I don't know. Uh, I would have, I think I would have liked it more to be a full on surprise. That way, when he came out, you'd be like, all right, you know what? It looks like he's going to win. But the moment I think would have felt larger because even though, you know, having him and Gunther, you know, go at it and all of that, that was great. But I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily believe as much as I like Gunther that he was going to be winning the Royal Rumble. Like I didn't buy into that story. But that's the issue, and I think that's why Cody was announced in the first place. Because I see a lot of comparisons in the chat. People are saying that um, you know it should have been like a John Cena-type surprise like in 2008. The difference between John Cena and Cody Rhodes here and why they announced it is that Cena was a surprise because you had a rumble field of potential winners. You had, like, the rumor at the time, one, there was no rumor surrounding the John Cena's return. Nobody was even thinking about it. WWE did a really good job keeping that under wraps. And the reason that people weren't thinking about it was because the story on TV was centered around Triple H going on to challenge Randy Orton for the WWE title. Then you had a story of The Undertaker returning to challenge Edge for the WWE title or the World Heavyweight title. Point being, with all of that happening, you had a field of believable contenders. Without Cody Rhodes, without the announcement of Cody Rhodes, there was not a single person on the roster on either show, Raw or SmackDown, who's been positioned to potentially go on to challenge Roman Reigns. And so I think they felt like if we don't announce Cody Rhodes, there's literally not a selling point of this Rumble. There's nobody believable here. There's nobody that you can honestly say has but then a shot that at also this. keep you going shit man like i can't like you let's say you were like looking at the pool right and you're like fuck like there's only maybe some that i would probably even consider uh you know winning this rumble i do think like there would have been a really cool surprise to just have cody come in but i do get both sides of it and why they announced it because it's true it's true. You look at the pool and you were going to be thinking, well, who is actually going to win this uh, based yeah. on the guys? Like, I'm not, no offense, but I'm not expecting Ricochet to win and go on to go face you know, Roman Reigns right. or something in the Royal Rumble. It's not a knock against the talent, just right. none of them were positioned for it. Right, exactly. Which now, you know, we can argue, but this is a, a topic for another time position more people for us to think that there's a possibility for that or else we could run into situations like this but we got a super chat yeah. here from jacob mccray thank you so much to jacob who says um without being overly aggressive towards her i'm not a fan with naya being potentially back her poor wrestling leading to a lot of injuries and her anti-vax attitude it's not cool and honestly like these are things that naya Jax has been already you know criticized for we know this and uh this is something that has pretty much um how do i say this this is her reputation right here, literally summarized in one comment. This is Nia Jax's reputation, and it's not really a good one based, obviously, on the topics that we have at hand here. And I hate to say it, but, you know, I'm sure she you knows she's a nice person and all of that. But, yeah, you know, having these things be a factor into Nia Jax and what comes with Nia Jax, it's almost like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Right. I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't even know what they're planning. I know they're selling a new Nia Jax t-shirt, so it's clear that they're, they, they, they view something there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Jacob McCray, thank you so much for the super chat. And let's go ahead and continue on. We actually, um, oh no, I think this one was, Sorry, my, I think we got a, call, a super chat here, but it's not popping up. Hold on. This one's from Sengrel, who says, with, Gunther, with Gunther's performance, I can see him being uh, Cody's first challenger. Um, well, the thing is, though, that 
you know, they, because uh, Cody's going to be over on the Raw side. And we got I mean, Gunther so over on SmackDown. I think they'll do it. There's there's a lot they can do, because I honestly have ideas. As a matter of fact, I know we're way long in this show for having only done our third. I know, But I know. this is like the only time to ask you this. Ooh, what is it? Um, Thinking about the challenger side of things, because you just brought up the Women's Royal Rumble uh, ending as your number three. Who do you want to see Rhea Ripley challenge? Oh, for I, I look, I want at the end of the day at WrestleMania, my Rhea Ripley dream opponent is Becky Lynch. How hmm. we get there, I don't know. But the point is, that's what I want. I know my end result is what I want is to see is Rhea and Becky. Okay, that's interesting. That's not who, what I was who, expecting you, you to want? say. I mean, like, I, I think that, you know, we who haven't was, seen... Who else? Who I mean, because we haven't seen... We, we haven't seen Rhea and Bianca in a... Um, in, yeah, that would be good, on, too. On the I main roster. at all. I have to say, though... I don't think it feels... It would feel as hot. I think it would feel hotter to have Bianca... I mean, sorry, uh, Rhea and Becky. How would you feel... Because I have been kind of screaming from the rooftops for the last year that on a show that merged the world titles and merged the tag titles, that they don't have the divisions to have two women's world titles. I would like to see Rhea go for both. And I think that that would be, and we get a a little bit of a three-way at WrestleMania, Charlotte, Rhea, and Bianca. I wouldn't hate that idea, but I like my idea better. <laughs> we all like our ideas better, Denise Salcedo. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Stern Golf for sending that in as well. Um, okay, and let's go ahead and hop into, um, let's get into our, God, where are we at now? I gave my third best. Okay, you're on to second best of the week. Will, what's your second best? Numero dos. Gotta go with the trial of Sami Zayn. Um, we've talked a lot about the ending of the Royal Rumble, but how do you get the ending of the Royal Rumble without one of the coolest opening segments in the history of Monday Night Raw? Uh, the trial of Sami Zayn this week saw Sami Zayn uh, basically on trial from the bloodline for his actions. I know some people were a little... Um, off put by Paul Heyman's sudden turn because it was like, wait, you know, on Friday SmackDown, Paul Heyman was just on his side. Who fucking yes. cares? Um, look, it I don't. It is care. a little thing, though. Let's be <laughs> it real. Is, it a is a little thing. thing. It's a little thing, but also like Paul Heyman was like the best thing here. <laughs> and so how the hell could I complain about that right, right, when Paul Heyman was so good? The way he took the crowd, he anticipated the crowd chanting ECW at him. And because they're in Philadelphia, uh, a place that ECW was a stronghold, he knew that every time he's in Philadelphia, he gets ECW chants. And he almost baited the crowd into chanting it so he could tell Sami Zayn that just like ECW, he wishes he was dead. And that was so great. Um, and then he throws on the uh, his, ex his Exhibit A, and he throws all of this footage up there of Sami Zayn basically being... Uh, not quite fully there for the bloodline. And uh, the way that we took this around and took, uh, brought this kind of full circle. Um, and by the end of the presentation here, 
from Paul Heyman, you're like, okay, maybe Sammy has been like a secret mastermind here who's secretly been plotting to sabotage uh, the bloodline. What's going to happen here? And Roman Reigns, again, excellent here. The way he calls on Solo and can't even finish his own sentence. He, he's so frustrated, he just interrupts himself with Solo. And Solo goes over is about to, to drop the spike on Sami Zayn because Sami Zayn, he was like, I have no defense. You got no defense. All of that shit was great, right? But then the, the true moment that made this special was Jay Uso. And the way Jay Uso came to Sammy's defense and uh, dropped that I love you dog on him, he showed all the footage that showed us that Sammy Zayn was actually probably the biggest support to the bloodline this entire time. And for it to be Jay Uso, who back in the fall was completely anti Sami Zayn. There was the whole struggle. Sami Zayn had the handshake with Jimmy Uso, but Jay was just not in on this. But at Survivor Series, Jay finally came around. And for Jay to be the one, and Jimmy, Jimmy's just sitting back like, hey, yeah, I don't care. You know, if we kick out Sami, we kick out Sami. But Jay is the one who came to the defense. Jay was the one who showed everybody that Sami was everything he's ever claimed to be. And... I just thought that that was such a good moment. That was such a good payoff there. That was just excellent, compelling television. A great way to open Monday Night Raw. I adored this. This was, this belongs on any list I would ever have on any given week. It would probably be number one on any other week. And it's crazy to think because there's so much that happened with the bloodline that it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, where do I put this, you know, in terms of ranking and everything that, uh, you know, went down with this week alone. But yeah, you nailed it on the head there when it came to uh, Jay Uso being that like uh, additional layer where, uh, we, you know, obviously we saw what happened at the Royal Rumble and we'll talk more about that, you know, in a hot second. But it is one of those things where you're just like, man, they really packed up the story and they had something really special. They have something really special with the bloodline. And I appreciate the care that has gone into the story in terms of, you know what, let's add the whole thing with, you know, let's uh, bring back Jey Uso because you mentioned, you know, him being the one that was not on Sami Zayn's sign. Well, let's bring him back in terms of doing something different with now it's like he is the one who comes and defends Sami Zayn. That was definitely something that I felt was a little bit unexpected, uh, you know, just hold during this whole tribal court and whatnot. And so to do that, I thought it kind of made things more special because you knew something was going to go down at the Royal Rumble. You knew something was going to go down and you're thinking, well, what the hell is it going to happen? And now it was going to kind of hurt a little bit more and if Sami Zayn, for example, at the time was going to, you know, turn on the bloodline, then you're thinking, okay, where does this leave Jey Uso after he defended him? So they really just added a whole lot to this that I think made people even a little bit more excited for the events that would later unfold at the Royal Rumble. But we got a super chat here from Sheldon Jackson who says Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. So Rhea can get her back for what happened at WrestleMania 36. Would you want to see Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania 36? What? I mean, you mean at 30? uh 39 uh, yeah uh well so the thing is um yeah because we did see it at wrestlemania 36 but guess what nobody ever watches wrestlemania 36 that shit happened in a fucking gym we're never gonna watch that shit again no one's ever gonna watch that show again so Except that me. officially watch it every wrestlemania 
Except you, that's right. <laughs> but WrestleMania 36 is scrubbed from the record. You'll never see any of that footage again. It's never going to get talked about again. As far as that's concerned. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, that ever happened? Did it, actually? Um, but, again, I want to see the three-way. I think I would merge the SmackDown and Raw women's titles. I don't think they need two women's titles at this point. I don't think either division is strong enough to support having two titles. But I think one combined division would do the trick. All righty. And let's go ahead and press on from here. We got another super chat from Aaron Ruiz. Thank you so much to Aaron who says, um, what do you guys think of Kana as a surprise? I think it was cool. But then I think what's next? Unless Rhea goes to Charlotte, then there's nothing. Look, the way I see it is uh, having having Asuka, you know, bring this in. To me, it's one of those things that is just going to spice, re-spice things up for her. I don't know how to say it. it's just going to respice things up for her because that's the thing with Asuka. She's so great in the ring. She got one of the biggest pops and reactions uh, at the Rumble for the women. And for her, I think this was exactly what was needed to kind of get, uh, you know, just just feels it, it, it feels more exciting now. And for me, I feel like I get what he means by like what's next. But for me, I just want to keep seeing her like now with a whole new purpose, a whole new attitude that we can see uh, incorporated into her weekly television. So for me, it does add like a whole lot. Uh, but what are your thoughts, Will? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I thought it was a really cool moment. Yeah, I, That is always the question when somebody comes into the Royal Rumble um, and doesn't win it. Uh, but they do something special in the Rumble. You, the, it's always the question of what's next in that regard. But she got to look strong there. Uh, I don't I know what's it, next. It adds I'm, depth, I'm, honestly. Yeah. To me, it just adds depth to the roster. Just having somebody that's uh feels it, it just. I don't want to say feels more important. Does that sound right? No, I mean, but I, it at least it, I get what you're saying, and I think it does add a great sense of excitement to what could possibly happen. It was sad to know that. Asuka's music is gone. Another CFO's theme bites the dust. But uh, I did... I, I, look, as everybody knows, talk about Karashita as often as I can. Karashita's greatest career rival to me is... If it's not Emi Sakura, it probably is Kana. And so for those two to... Uh, I mean, so for Kana to be back on TV um, in this way is exciting and i'm excited to see what they do with it i don't know what it's going to be i'm just having to sit back and see thank you so much to aaron for sending in this super chat as well um okay so let's go ahead and uh get into uh my second best of the week and for me um this one was a hard one because i feel like this is really something that i do think could you know really should be uh it should really be honestly number one here, but I do want to make sure to, uh, you know, go ahead and talk about it and whatnot. And that is Mark Briscoe versus Jay Lethal on Dynamite. I don't really think that there was, um, man, this was a tough one because how do you compare this on the list? How do you compare it? You really can't. Like this is something that I I can't imagine ever in my life losing someone that I love. And then being able to go out there and, you know, do the job that I normally do, right? Like, to me, that just sounds really impossible and really hard. And he went out there and he did a tremendous job. And it wasn't even about, like, just the job. It was more so about getting the opportunity to just go out there and go out there and show the, show the person that you love, that you lost in your life 
that their 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 story, their person, their their life is going to live on through you going out there and you know wrestling and. God, it, it was one of those things like when I was talking about the show on uh, Wednesday and talking about this moment on Wednesday, it was very, very hard to do because it it sucks. I can't imagine going out there. Fuck, I'm crying like again. This. And I know ah, I saw shit. your face, Will. It is. <laughs> but, but I don't know what to say. Well, there you go. Your reaction kind of says everything. I can't imagine going out there and doing that. I really can't. But I thought it was a beautiful thing that he did get to go out there, have this moment on a main event, especially not just, especially you got to add the obstacles that came along with this. You know, Warner Brothers didn't want to have, you know, nothing to do with the Briscoes on their television. And that's definitely something that we have to, you know, acknowledge because that added to the obstacle of, you know, being able to do a little bit of a tribute on Dynamite, having all the talent go out there, you know, the hugs and everything. It, I don't know what to say, man. It was, I, I do want to take a second here too, because there was a lot of moments that add to this too. Uh, Ian and Caprice. They did a phenomenal job on commentary. And I mentioned this already on the previous show, but they did such a, hu- a good job of adding like the human, the human element to this because they weren't just calling the match. They weren't just, uh, you know, talking about, you know, great career moments and this and that. They were making sure to tell you, the viewer, you know what? Go back and, you know, hug your hug the person you love, you know, call the person you love, call your friend, call your whatever. Everything that they said there, they did a phenomenal job at handling that. Um, the closing shot or before the closing shot, when uh, Mark Briscoe looked into the camera and he basically, uh, you know, said what he said, you know, telling his brother that he loved him and this and that. It was one of those things where it wasn't him talking to the people. I took it more as him talking to his brother and us getting to sort of witness that. And so that was really nice. The ending shot. With, with Jay Briscoe's, you know, image up on the Tron and Mark, you know, there, him having the two bouts, that was a whole other thing. Uh, there was a lot here. And I don't know how this can't be on the list. I know. And uh, I, I was talking with Denise before this, and this was originally on my list. But uh, as the show has gone on, um, I... I've realized that I, I can't put this necessarily on my list. And so uh, where it currently stands, it's not. Um, but that's not for lack of recognition. This was a really, really important moment in professional wrestling. Um, I feel like you, you can't know, rank it. Like, come yeah. on, nothing's going to trump somebody going out there and, you know, doing this. Yeah. And uh, just thinking about, I see somebody in the chat who is talking about the new bosses at, um warner brothers discovery and and what could that possibly change um the there is a new boss because tnt and tbs used to be um in a separate division and weren't well before the discovery warner brothers merger um they were on their own but now it's all being overseen by kathleen finch who had initially had a lot of the former edicts in place and kathleen finch was who gave the the go-ahead to to make things right with um the Briscoes and having Mark allowed on TV. Um, there was so much special about this moment, though. Mark Briscoe coming out with both tag titles, uh, being announced as one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Them going through with, despite the fact that they um, 
weren't going to be on this show going through with still making a the tron with the new graphics for the briscoes just making sure that this is still a briscoes moment mark briscoe getting to hit um the the table spot with jay lethal and uh and mark briscoe getting to um to finish the match with the jay driller um you see jay lethal's face when uh when all of the announcements are being made and this is a guy who literally had to perform 20 minutes later on Rampage in a tag match with Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Jay Lethal did. He worked twice, right? Like, he worked Rampage. Um, and, again, just that moment seeing the roster out there and you have ha- hearing Mark talk to the screen but talking to his brother, but you're getting to feel what he's saying. This was such a special moment. Sorry you had to see me cry on a podcast. I try not to do that too often, but uh, this is one that, look, I just, I watched the funeral today, so I'm still kind of in a, a mood about it all. Um, and this this was a really special thing to get to see on TV, and I'm glad they got to do that for Jay Briscoe. Agreed, agreed. Um, okay, and where are we at now? God, I forgot the format of this. My own show. We're okay, at worst, worst of the week. buddy. Here we go. Will, I think, do we right. claim worst, by the way? Uh, maybe. Um, only if your worst is what mine is. Because <laughs> let me tell you, folks, you just saw tears in my eyes, right? <laughs> we have the from same an actual from a From an actual sad moment. But I'll tell you, Denise saw tears in my eyes yesterday. From, I wish uh, I could show that picture. Should from, I show your picture? Sure, go ahead. I don't care. Um, because I was laughing so damn hard at the uh, the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. Now, folks, I said on various podcasts, all the podcasts that I do, I had said that, look, I had literal tears in my eyes. I laughed that hard at that. <laughs> You at just that like moment. To me, literal tears in my eyes. <laughs> I won't even read the rest of what you said. No, don't. Even. Literal that's tears. Part, though. That's the only part I'm going to read from your text. Literal tears in my eyes and then a selfie. There are literal tears. I was laughing that hard. Look, I um the Mountain Dew pitch black match. I was willing to accept that there's a possibility this could be something, that uh, there are some creative folks behind this, there's some creative ideas being laid out here, and something cool could happen. I was willing to accept that possibility, and had it happened, I would have gone, man, I was wrong about Bray all these years. But let me tell you, folks, no, I wasn't. As a matter of fact, I don't ever want to hear the term Bray was creatively stifled by Vince McMahon ever again. Because at this point, I'm starting to wonder what ideas this man actually has. This shit sucked so bad. Um, So, the match itself, you know, we get kind of a cool visual to start it off, right? The the lights go down, and all of a sudden they turn on the black light. You see that... um, Bray's got the neon paint. You're like, okay, this could be kind of cool. And then they proceed to just like wrestle a regular match um, that in itself like wasn't all that great. Match goes like five minutes. And again, I'm like belly laughing when he hits the sister Abigail. And I'm like, that's it. We got all of that build. We literally went from Bray Wyatt came back in October. And we had this big epic return 
And it was like, oh, don't worry. You know, we're going to take our time getting him into a match. Because I'm like, well, okay, when's the wrestling happening? When's he going to have a match? Like, oh, we're going to take our time with that. It's going to be special when he finally has a match. And we see the trademarks come out for the pitch black match. And it's like, okay, that's where this is going to happen. And so this... This is the match. This has been three months built of Bray Wyatt. Everything we saw with Uncle Howdy, all of this bullshit on TV that we've seen for the last three months is supposed to get us to this moment. And that was it. It was a five-minute match with some neon paint and some lights and I guess some, like, dopey-looking confetti that oh that what was that supposed to be I at ringside I, I don't I don't I didn't know what that was either I was hoping that somebody else would try would give us I, I don't know what that. that was supposed to be but it, it looked confetti to, to, sparkles I don't know I don't know but it were. looked like in Mortal Kombat 3 when you hit a character who's got green blood and you like uppercut them and all of a sudden green blood sprays sprays everywhere um, you reminded me of the styrofoam popcorns that you get when you get like a package. Yeah, and they're calling the it like they're calling it radioactive yeah. popcorn in the chat. Thank you, Jr. That's what for that. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so that was all bad enough. So it was like, okay, this all this build for a five minute match, uh, that's over with. But then they keep fighting. And I thought, why are we still fighting? But okay, okay, let's see where this goes. And so I calmed myself down as as I was already laughing enough at this. But we weren't done here. Oh no. Uncle Howdy dives onto uh LA Knight. Poor LA Knight. It's bad enough he was on the receiving end of this angle. Bad enough he was on the receiving end of this match. But he had to be on the receiving end, or at least he planned on being on the receiving end of a dive from Uncle Howdy, except Uncle Howdy misses him by like two whole feet. And then the pyro goes off anyway. I don't know what to say. Where do, I mean, what, what do you say to that? It was something that everybody was like, did he just miss? And then we were all thinking, oh, maybe we saw wrong. I don't know. Maybe we didn't look right. And then they showed the replay. And I'm like, oh my God, why'd they show that replay? It was literally like, you see LA Knight's body here. You see him coming down and he lands <laughs> over here. And then what's worse is that they had this really great way of like, you know, bringing out the Pyro and it's going to be this massive. Like I get the idea that was supposed to be happening, but then the things goes off and you're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why nothing happened he's just laying there the man just threw himself this like was, yeah i i have to say because i agree with the overall statement when hunter was asked the question in the press conference about um criticism of wwe and he responded that nobody does spectacle better than wwe and for overall i agree with that especially given what the number one on this show is about to be however when you blow the spectacle, man, is it a spectacle? There, this was so bad. <laughs> and like, I feel like, but hold on, hold on. But I feel like this was something that I get what he meant by what he was talking about in terms of spectacle. Like this was all like it, it, it was, it was, a, it was a botch. You know, it was a botch. Oh yeah, that's what yes. it was. Like that doesn't like it, you know. I know it's gonna be like the a big takeaway from the show. But it doesn't take away from the like production quality of what he was talking about in terms of a spectacle. But it, it but it was something that 
I really wish that they wouldn't have even shown that replay. It was so bad. It was so bad. But like the match itself, when it started, by the way, this is also my worst of the week. When this match started um, and the lights went down and I was like, okay, what's going to happen? All of a sudden, we just see these neon lasers coming like in the arena. And I'm thinking they're going to keep the lasers on the entire time. Like what is happening right now? And it seemed like they were debating for a second. Like, are we going to keep the lasers on? I don't know. But then they took them off. So the entire time, my visual, when I looked in the ring, it was just the ropes and everything was just a different color. It was just a neon color. That was it. But you couldn't actually see anything. So I was watching on the screen but it was like watching a really bad um, quality type deal because you couldn't see anything. You could barely make out what was happening. And I could see what was happening because they took out, what was it, like this golden, uh, no, I'm sorry, those neon uh, kendo sticks or something? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I was like, okay, they're doing that bit, that whole thing of it, but that was it. So it was like I was making out what was happening from the match based on what I can see. Now at the Alamo Dome, you know, they have the big screens, but they're not like those normal big screens that you see at most places. It's like half the size of the screen. So it's a lot smaller. So there was only so much that I could make of this. When they went to that platform, I didn't even realize that platform was right in front of me. I had no idea. <laughs> I was watching it on the screen and I didn't even realize that the whole thing was happening like to the left of my vision. I could have seen I could have seen the jump a lot better. But yeah, this was bad. This was this bad. Was real but bad. I will say just to, just to give it a positive. I liked Bray Wyatt's makeup. That was cool. Cool little effect. It was, was cool. Um, that was it. <laughs> somebody in the chat said, were you expecting him to wrestle in the actual dark? I, I you know, I'm not sure what no, I was expecting, no but way, yeah. I, no, I, I don't think they were ever going to wrestle in the actual dark. One, how would you film that? I mean, I, I guess if I were given the idea of having to produce a pitch black match, um, and the idea is, look, we only have the name because we got the sponsorship from Mountain Dew Pitch Black. You figure out how the match is actually going to go down. I'm on it. I got it. Ready? Oh, by the way, I showed you the my temperature earlier, which was two degrees. It is now negative one. Um, so the it is cold here in Denver. Okay, I know how I would have done this. Ready? Lights completely out in the arena, except for two spotlights. And basically, it is on. So you're gonna have to hire two people up there to stay with the match i mean to stay with the competitors but basically oh i see like follow them around yeah and that's all you get right but like so throughout the match there's weapons or whatever scattered throughout the match throughout the arena around the ring Ooh, okay i'm just making this up as i go along right uh, but they don't know where anything is they can only see each other they cannot see anything else that would be my go-to for a pitch black match. Huh. Look at that. That shit rocks. I could have done something with that. And then you could have even done some spooky uh, fucking uh, Uncle Howdy spot, right? Where, like, he pops up in a corner, but nobody saw him come up. So, like, L.A. Knight is, like, backing his way into the back right corner. And all of a sudden, his spotlight reveals an Uncle Howdy behind him. And uh, you could do all the, like, spooky little Bray Wyatt tricks, but they all kind of pop themselves up rather than just, like, a regular match with a black light. Like, I don't know. You could have done something else. I get what you mean. I wouldn't have hated that. <laughs> uh, it's just hard when you're, like, 
can't see anything and it was it started to become one of those things where you know when you're at a live event and you're watching you're watching the event and you're like looking at this i see you know someone passes by you're like oh i know that person what's up i don't need to match this match how are you doing oh they got coffee oh cool i'll make sure to go get some coffee you know it was one of those things unfortunately um steven sends in a super chat saying welcome back to me will love this match right question mark obviously he's making a joke but thank you so much to steven i mean <laughs> look this was good. almost my best because i haven't laughed that hard in a really long time and i thought you know what Laughter is a great feeling. Maybe this should have been my number one of the week. Uh, but no, this was the worst thing I've seen all week. Uriel Andero says, nah, I don't know what was worse, the Lights Out match or the Hardy's performance. For real, though, Bray is just the same crap, different day, wasn't impressed at his return, and thinking I told you so now. How bad was the Hardy performance? Because I wasn't paid attention to that. Um, I wasn't either, because so, I know a lot of people didn't like it. But I think the big reason why a lot of people didn't like it is, one, People don't like country. Kid. Well, yeah, I mean, with one, a lot of people don't like country music. So is that we were in um, Texas? I know, but I was like, people are in Texas. Like, give them a break. Um, on the other side of that, though, I think it was just looking up and realizing, my God, we are three and a half hours into the show, and we still have, like, we know Roman's entrance alone takes like six or seven minutes, and you mean to tell me that we're also we still have this giant music performance? We're not even to the main event yet. I think people were just ready to to get to the meat and potatoes of the show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And I just, again, I would place it someplace else on the show. Put Hardy or whoever you have performing um, at the top well, of the show. When they said that this was the theme song of the show, I kid you not, I thought the theme song for Royal Rumble was just like some generic like stock music. That no, they got it's because... Lights Out by Hardy. Sure. <laughs> but like also hearing <laughs> I... it... They kept showing us the graphic every week. Right. But like every time I kept hearing it, I'm just like, this just sounds like any song that they've ever used for a pay-per-view. This, But not even for like a unique pay-per-view. This just sounds like one you would use for like No Mercy 1999. Um, this doesn't sound Look, like anything unique. All I'm going to say is, ah, fuck, I'm going to sound so old. Back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, I remember when they would have really cool music and it would be like my discovery period, you know? I would like, all of a sudden, like, man, like, I know you don't like saliva, but I'm a big saliva fan based on, like, discovering them through WWE I don't and hate all saliva. of this. No, that, you I just one got... time you didn't like saliva. I, both, was I it mean, you or was it someone else? I don't I know. Because you, with somebody else? you might be because of the fact that we just oh. reviewed WrestleMania 18 Never and mind. they I had think the I was theme song. To somebody else. Yeah, don't put that on me. <laughs> Sorry, Will. Um, I don't hate saliva. Uh, no they have ladies and gentlemen. Like, Does he not hate saliva? No, <laughs> okay, I don't whatever. Hate. The point that I'm trying to get at here is that I like discovering new bands and all of that. And at the time, obviously, they were new to me, but I, I, I haven't. There hasn't been a new song or a new artist on these recent TV shows. That I thought, you know, and these wrestling shows where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go download this person's music. Hasn't happened anymore. I went out and I bought freaking Saliva's album just so I can listen to Always. I really? bought the album. From Survivor Series 02? Okay. I bought um, the album for one song. You know what's funny, though? That's, I mean, that year, that period, WWE was ahead of the curve on a lot of music because, like, I also think Bring Me to Life by Evanescence, which was the theme song to No Way Out Bro. 2003. Yes. I mean, that you, song. After that, it, I ended up becoming an Evanescence fan. 
Right? But that was... I had never heard Evanescence before that. Most people hadn't, but most people associate that song. any of these people. Like, when they did Papa Roach, when they did... Uh, uh, there was just so many. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. All of these bands were new to me. Like, they did Drowning Pool, like, even Limp Bizkit and everything. Like, everything that they had disturbed. All of these uh, bands. I was like, I don't know who these people are, but I like these songs. <laughs> Doesn't happen anymore. That's I'm not going to go download Hardy's music. <laughs> It ain't happening. No, uh, it's I. It's definitely not for me. I, I've had some music discovery through pro wrestling and made some friends in music through pro wrestling, but uh, yeah, not it. All right, Sheldon Jackson says, I stand by that. I feel like Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight should have been a cinematic match and not done live on TV. I thought it was going to be a cinematic match. I even said this on the show. My prediction was that it was going to be a cinematic match because that's what I thought it was going to be. But I was uh, wrong. That would have at least that would have given them the ability to like plan ahead. <laughs> Do some fancy editing or something, whatever. Yes. Alrighty. Um, we got a super chat here from Ryan Lambert who says Uncle Howdy landed in the city LA, not LA night. This has been a running joke. Yeah, no, I liked Matt Galloway's that said, uh, I don't think anybody's missed LA harder than <laughs> Uncle Howdy since uh, the St. Louis Rams <laughs> left LA. Um, that honestly, that moment i i can't believe that that was had i known i would have just jumped on his back and i would have been home really fast (laughs) (sighs) all right uh thank you so much to ryan lambert for sending in that super chat as well we got one here from anime otoko who says there was at least one person watching on peacock wait what Mm. i don't get it what are we talking about one person watching on peacock watching huh no wait sorry anime otoko i don't get this one yeah not sure either. By the way, um, the chat alerted me to the fact that you were seen by a lot more people because it didn't just air on YouTube. They aired the press conference on Peacock. So is that what he's talking about? No, what I don't know. That, that that's probably something different. But the, earlier in the chat, they were saying that oh. they all watched you on Peacock. So uh, even stuff. Peacock viewers got to see you remove your headphones after a question. It's great stuff. Oh, God. It's so endearing. I I love it. Honestly, I need a reality a show. Well, I need a reality show. Something always happens to me always that's it i need a reality show oh he's saying in the arena he's saying in the arena somebody that's right i've seen that picture okay i know what you're talking what about, are we talking about? The, a guy couldn't see the pitch black match because of the way the lights were so he pulled up peacock on his phone to watch the show to watch the the black or the pitch black match on his phone in the arena oh okay yeah oh, i yes. saw that because he said his view was so bad and that it just looked like one blue blob in the the arena that ah, he had yeah. to pull it up on Peacock to watch it. Okay, I know what you mean. Ricardo, surname leading, says, uh, Mommy needed to squash the queen at WrestleMania, or needs to squash the queen at WrestleMania. Seems like a couple of people want that. Uh, thank you so much to Ricardo for also sending in this super chat as well. Um, okay, and we got one here from Jake Salazar who says, I'm late. Have I missed Will's extended Bray Wyatt burial? <laughs> yeah. I would like to chime in if we're not past it. I don't think we're ever going to be past it. For the sake of Jake Salazar, give us a one-liner, Will, um, on this whole Bray Wyatt situation. I mean, I, I can't oh, even get one line. it was also on the network. Makes sense if it was on the Peacock. It was, oh, my God. Just I was universal. <laughs> I don't know what was worse, the the Uncle Howdy spot or Denise being too loud. <laughs> no, Denise being too loud is endearing. This is one of those things where now, like, um, I had to do like a look back 
at how many times we've been here with Bray Wyatt, whether it's Hell in a Cell, Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. The moment that, by the way, I didn't know who Denise Salcedo was before that moment. Um, and oh, that, that... The, the Hell in a Cell 2019 thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hell in a Cell 2019, Everyone right? Everyone thought I was Stephanie McMahon's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and watch that. Uh, there's also WrestleMania last year, Randy, or two years ago, Randy Orton versus The Fiend, right? Another dud. Uh, thinking about that match that Bray Wyatt had against The Miz where he was like Firefly Bray, or not Fire, Firefly Funhouse Bray, like that stunk. And thinking about just how many of these like duds Bray Wyatt has had where like it starts with a promising angle and ends with everybody looking back and going, what the fuck was that? We have to start thinking about whether or not Bray might be the problem here. And... uh I'm sorry, I can't believe, and, and I've been feeling this way for like 10 years. I, I remember thinking, wow, this John Cena feud could be promising. And then by the end of it, it's like, oh, there's a child singing. Um, this sucks. And uh, for me, Bray Wyatt was always the whole, like I knew people were fans of Bray Wyatt, but personally for me, I just thought, okay, well, he's just not for me. Maybe I just don't get it. Because I never was like a massive Bray Wyatt fan at all. But I just thought, okay, he's just not one of my favorites. That's fine. I didn't hate the guy. He just wasn't for me. Yeah. I mean, the problem is... It would be one thing. Guy, you know? Yeah, it would be one thing if I can, like, take myself out of Bray's stuff. But it always, like, manages to seep its way into stuff I care about. Like, in this case, in this case, I haven't really cared about any of the stuff with LA Knight. But it was, like, you know, Seth Rollins, Universal Champion. And then all of a sudden, Bray Wyatt comes in and, like brings that rain to a crashing halt the modern day undertaker stuff just does not hit the same because back then when you know i was an undertaker fan but i was a kid and i believed that he was truly dead i've grown up now and yeah i look back at this that's those times fondly because i was a child i had a, a different mind back then <laughs> and so now it, it, it's just something that for me i feel like if you're not a child i can't imagine being into this type of stuff I mean, look, there's a lot of people who continually use the word cinema to describe this. So, um, and granted, we're no, about I to talk about. I feel like you have to like be able to really be able to suspend your disbelief, and I can't do it to that extreme for this. I can't either, but at least I can have fun with it. <laughs> All right, thank you so much to Jake Salazar for sending this in. We got uh, Jason Major. Wow, Jason, thank you so much for becoming a member here of the YouTube channel. It is seriously appreciated. Uh, seriously, thank you so much to Jason Major for becoming a member. Uh, Jake Salazar sends in a super chat saying, Bray Wyatt being proud of his work is hilarious and shameful. Now I see why Vince never let Bray, let Bray control the character. Look. Look, I know you're laughing, but I I don't want to be I don't want to be fucked up, man. Look, if he's proud, let him be proud. It does not it does not hurt me. It does not impact my day. I know I know that it's it's you can laugh about it. Trust me, I know, but I feel bad. I feel bad, honestly. Compose yourself, Will. Okay. <laughs> okay. Look, I, What's he supposed to say? I fucked up. This shit sucks. And then just be like, is he supposed to say that? Well, is he supposed to be out there going out there and being like, this shit sucks. I'm sorry. I failed you guys. And then what? Try something totally different. Come back the next day as an, I don't know, something else. Um, I mean, What's he and supposed to do. 
what else can he say? He can't say that it sucked. Maybe he didn't think it sucked. I would have loved for anybody to have asked at that moment. So, what was supposed yeah, I to happen? Hand. I wasn't. I wasn't selected. Yeah, that wasn't my question either, though. I don't even remember what the fuck my question was going to be. <laughs> All right, but I feel bad. Oh, poor yeah. Brent. Well, let, let's talk about something we enjoy because I think our number one's the same anyway. Okay, hold on. Uh, we got another super chat here from Jake Salazar who says, "By congressional law, House of Black should be the only ones doing dark spooky stuff." I'm not even into it when they do it. So I just like to watch them wrestle. I don't care about any of the other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of the same way where I think, because uh, like people have accused, they've thrown it at me and they've gone, how can you like House of Black? I'm like, me? I, I have never. Uh, folks, I think House of Black is a great wrestling faction. And I don't mind this kind of stuff when it is simply as a mind games kind of thing. Um, but when you start actually getting into superpowers, possessions, and uh, things that break the laws of the world, um, I'm out. I'm out. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, thank you so much to Jake Salazar for setting that in. All right, and I'm trying to get speed up now. All right, here we go. Best of the week. I have a feeling we might have the best of the week the same too. Is it the we bloodline do. stuff for you? Of course yeah, it okay. is. The ending of the Royal Rumble. You saw what my number two was, and it was the trial See, of Sami Zayn. That's the reason why I didn't put the trial of Sami Zayn, because I thought, okay, well, I'm already going to be talking about that for my number one, so I might as well talk about something else. But that was pretty much, I feel like the trial of the, tri the trial is pretty much implied into this as well, because it all kind of, it, it all goes together. See, and I felt like they're, in a way, two separate things, because while the trial... Uh, I mean, because while the moment that ended the Royal Rumble was excellent story-based um, professional wrestling angles, I thought that to get there, you had to have a really incredible moment on Raw. But I think that this was such a solid payoff. Do you want to go first? Should I go first? We're talking about the same thing. All right, thing. well, I just want to say, okay, I'll talk about things that I loved really quickly. But mm -hmm. for me, I just want to say this, though. I was, I had a different experience given that I was there in person, but I didn't get to actually watch this in person. They, oh, they, that's right. Yes, they rushed us out. The second we were in the, pre we were in the press room, they, were, they had told us already in advance. They were like, oh, the second the main event's over, you know. You guys got to go straight to the press conference. And we're like, okay, cool. I didn't know that meant second the bell rings. Get up. We got to go. So the bell rings, right? Match is over. And I'm like, wait, we got to go now? And everybody stands up. And I'm like, well, fuck. If everybody's going, I got to go too. So it was. So Sean pulled up the peacock on his phone. And we were literally walking and watching. And then everything unfolded as we sat down. And we were finally able to, like, see everything. But I was kind of a little bit bummed that I didn't get to, like, be there even though i was there um but for me it was one of those things like seeing sammy hit roman reigns with the chair with the chair shot it, it was the anticipation leading up to that moment was really great uh seeing jay uso kind of be like it seemed like the usos you know do what they have to do in terms of following the orders of roman reigns but also not wanting to and then eventually seeing jay uso leave i thought that was definitely something that you know uh it just added so much more to the final portion of this and you know what we were expecting because we were predicting hey is it going to be sammy is it going to be the bloodline what's going to happen here and so all of that kind of fed into that and then on top of that 
what else did I like from this? The beat down at the end and seeing both guys completely laid out, both Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, basically lifeless there. I thought that was such a strong way to close out the show. What can I say, man? This was the cherry on top. And given that we got the trial of Sammy, uh, you know, at the start of the week and we closed it off with this, this whole week for the bloodline was, it was what we were waiting for. Can I tell you what I really loved about this, Denise? We've all had our theories about where this was going. We've all talked about, is Sammy secretly playing the bloodline? Is the bloodline just messing with Sammy? The thing I loved about this payoff is that in the end, or like even the idea of is Jay Uso actually playing everybody, is that in the end, everyone was being honest. Everything that we got here, the big payoff here, was an honest moment for everyone. Sami Zayn always wanted to be a part of the bloodline. There was no ulterior motive. There was no, he was, uh, you know, secretly trying to take them down from within. He wanted acceptance from the group. But he saw they were taking things too far with Kevin Owens. On the other side of that, was Roman Reigns secretly just stringing Sami Zayn along? Were they just playing him this whole time? No, they weren't. They And they you can tell it. that Roman always had like a soft spot for Sami yeah. Zayn. That the soft spot was legitimate, but the fact yeah. was, Sami Zayn didn't listen here, and Roman took things too far as well, and Sami finally snapped. And then the fact that Jay Uso again, there was always the questions: was is he being genuine here, or is he just playing Sami? And he was being legit, and he walked out on the group. Um, he couldn't stand to see what they were doing to Sami Zayn. He realized that it all went too far. I think for me, the way that this all played out was in a way where it validated everything that's happened up until this point. There's literally nothing where I feel like, oh, well, why'd you do that then? Or why'd you do that? Or this part didn't make any sense. Everything felt validated here. Everything felt like Sammy's journey to this point, Roman's journey to this point, Jay's journey to this point, even Jimmy's journey to this point. Solo, everybody felt validated. Um, it was kind of hard sitting there watching Kevin Owens just like dead body having to not like react to literally anything that's happening here in front of him. Uh, but this, I've always said that the best thing professional wrestling does is professional wrestling. And the reason I still feel that way is because um, at the end of the day, when it comes to the drama of pro wrestling, while the drama can be compelling, I get better drama in TV. I get better drama in movies. But the thing wrestling does uniquely is pro wrestling. But this is one of those times where I feel that maybe that's not true. That in this instance, I think professional wrestling drama is feeling up there with some of the most compelling drama on television. And that's the highest compliment I can give something like this. Right, because even when you were watching this main event, it was the thing where you were, you were just wondering what was going to happen. So even though we had Roman... And Kevin Owens is the main event. The main event itself was the aftermath of we knew something was going to happen, but what is it? And that is what I think the people were really in anticipation for. Not specifically the match, but it was everything that happened afterwards. And I think that just goes to kind of show the credit of the good storytelling that they did throughout, you know, the last couple of months and specifically this week with the bloodline. So, um, man, it was good stuff and definitely 
you know, was the number one moment of the week in regards to storylines and all of that and the payoff and everything that came of that. I'm excited to watch, you know, Monday Night Raw tomorrow. I'm excited to watch SmackDown and see what goes down uh, even further because there's still going to be a lot more. We are officially on the road to WrestleMania, Will. We are. Um, the sign- sound like a geek saying that, but we're on the road to WrestleMania <laughs> I mean, in look. Hollywood. The sign is up. It's road to WrestleMania time. They're going to point and do the thing and... Uh, what's all happening? We now know that Roman Reigns has a date with Cody Rhodes, or does he? Because what's going to happen in the meantime? Um, I think that, what, the next pay-per-view is in Sammy's hometown. We're in Montreal for uh, for Elimination Chamber. Like, there's a place to do a moment with Sammy Zayn. Hell, I say just do the one-on-one match. If it were me, I would say do that there. Sammy Zayn versus Roman Reigns, main event, Sammy's hometown. Uh, elimination Chamber. And then, as far as the Elimination Chamber itself, um, do it for the Intercontinental title. Give Gunther a, a big win inside the chamber with some badass dudes. Like, have Sheamus and uh, Drew in there and, like, really do a cool match. But at the end, the main event should be Sammy having his moment against Roman. That's where yes. I would do it. We got a super chat here from Jay Mar who says every person in the story is full fleshed out, uh, fully fleshed out, and every person's motivations are evident. I feel they will connect the story back to when it was uh, Jay versus Roman. That is great storytelling. Yeah, because there was even that whole thing even beforehand that we, uh, you know, got to see unfold. So there's just so much here. I'm really happy that this is all playing out very nicely and that we have something to look forward to. Uh, you know, for WWE television. So uh, thank you so much to Jay Moore for sending in this very generous super chat. And thank you to everybody who tuned into the stream, took part in the chat, um, who subscribed to this channel. Uh, before we go, I have officially surpassed 86,000 subscribers here on this channel. And I'm so freaking ecstatic, Will. I'm so happy. Um, there are now, including this video, 18 new videos that have been uploaded in the last, like, I don't know, 72 hours or so. So please uh, check those out. I got interviews with so many people. Some of them are short guys. And the reason they're short is because uh, they were only giving us a certain amount of time. So I had to wrap things up pretty fast. A lot of these events, you know, you get like a couple minutes in, but I feel like I tried to get as much as we possibly could in those couple of minutes. Um, the Seth Rollins interviews were doing really great. The Dominic Mysterio interviews doing really great. Uh, there's other ones there that I would check out. Otis was a personal favorite of mine as well as Chad Gable. Uh, so many, Mia Yim. Uh, please check out those interviews and give them Look, some we, love. We got a hail to Denise here. Look, she got a lot of shit done in a Two very of my videos got copyrighted though the triple h and cody rhodes ones i can't post them up and i already emailed the pr team to figure out how to like not get me copyrighted here but yeah the audio got copyrighted and i can't put those videos up of course they did that sounds about right if, it, not, if not i'd have more videos up but just so that you right. guys know why those aren't up yeah but no i mean look hats off to denise like this is we talked we've talked about this before how hard she works on these weekends but like the fact that there was so much to do Royal Rumble weekend, and you managed to get content at everything that they put in front of you, hats off. Thank you. Great job. I had a great time. Thank you. So please check those videos out because that is how I make my money back on these trips. So uh, go check out those videos. Every view counts. Uh, Will, please let the people know where they can follow you and all of that good stuff. I'm William RBR on Twitter. I post funny shit sometimes and, uh, and things you may not recall. So either way, that's a 
very vague description of my my Twitter and doesn't do it justice. But seriously, follow me. I just passed fifteen thousand subscribers on my Twitter, and I continue to grow there. I guess. Hell yeah, hell yeah, keeping it going. All right, guys, we'll be back next Sunday for after the week at our regular time of 10, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, everyone.